0: Don, I'm an alcoholic. I'm grateful to be alive, and sober by God's grace and your help. Uh, I hope I won't go to ten to eight. I think I turned into a pumpkin then. Um, but anyway, um, like many of you probably, I began this morning in a very simple way, you know, just like uh, with prayer and meditation uh, to to maintain a grateful and humble heart, because I am grateful that uh, I'm grateful that I'm an alcoholic, because my life has been better because of that, you know. The things that, there's joys that I've come to know in this program because of, because of being a drunk, you know, and, but finding this program. And and that has made all the difference, you know. Um, uh, My, I I think in, if, sometimes I think that my story illustrates two things, for me anyway. One is just that it's a a disease. It's, It's in our genes, it's in our DNA. I mean, a couple places we think, you know. And it's like other diseases, there are other things like this. It's triggered by something, and we're not entirely sure what, you know, some of us, you know, when we slide out of the womb, <laughs> we're drunk right then. But I wasn't. And, and sometimes it's some, some trigger will start us drinking or whatever. And once, and, you know, we used to talk about, uh, in Massachusetts, I think here too, talk about, you know, you cross a line, an invisible line, and once you cross it, there's no going back, you know. And I think once that gene turns on, or whatever they are, they think it's now what they think it's pieces of several genes, it doesn't turn off ever. And my story is certainly about that. Um, and the second thing, uh, which I'll talk about in a little while, is that like everyone else's story, my my story you know, says that uh, you know, alcohol is cunning, baffling, and mostly powerful. It's you know I like to you know, it. Sometimes we use these crazy metaphors that it's out in the parking lot doing push-ups or something like that. But it's it's a powerful disease because it's in our genes, you know. And if we lose, if I lose perspective, uh, it's going to get me. In any way, I want to. I'll begin with uh, my story's got like two pieces. It folds in the middle. I I was sober for 18 years, picked up for about five months, came back in, and I'm sober since. Um, But I'll start off with the end of the, the end of the. My first end, which was actually the first time my, uh, my first coming to A, uh, I was born in a little town in the Midwest, Chicago. I didn't, but you know when you're a kid, you know, this was in the fifties, man. You didn't live in the old damn city. You, you lived down your street. <laughs> That's what you know. So you didn't worry about this. a big city. You just lived on your street. And I was, you know, a kid in the fifties. You know, so the Fonz lived down the street. I mean, I, I was, you know. One of those guys with a duck's ass in their hair, long greasy hair, you know use v o5 on your hair, you know uh, t-shirts, leather jackets, you know I was all, the whole nine yards and i uh, I loved it you know my family initially I mean um, I'm Jewish, but the, we 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 were fairly poor I didn't know that <laughs> whatever things about, you know you're just you do stuff you know, but we didn't have a car for the longest longest time and um you know, the neighborhood I lived in was the buildings were real close together. You know, it's actually been gentrified since I since I've left. I got on Google or whatever that thing is, and I and I went and I saw the neighborhood, and they they fixed it up. You know, holy shit, they cleaned the whole sucker up. You know, uh, and the buildings are close together, and you could kind of put your hands like this. And, you know, hands and feet, go out and go up to the building, you know, go, go up, and I lived down on the third floor, you know, go up and say hi to ma or grandma, you know, and she'd say something, and she'd curse in Polish, like, <laughs> and then I figured, oh, I better get down now, and then, then but I could just get her back on my my side, just by saying, oh, my arms are getting tired, I better get down, oh, then she'd start praying, you know, <laughs> like this, but I loved, I loved the city, uh, I didn't know, I was a very curious kid, and I was, I was blessed with curiosity and moderate intelligence. And I didn't know either one. You know, when I was growing up, man, I I went to school, yeah, cool, right on, school. But did I care? Nah. And I didn't really want to go to high school. You know, I just... I, you know, when I, when I was informed, you had to you had to continue after eighth grade, or I, I heard people talking about it at six, I thought, this is an insult, you know, what do you need for, and I figured, well, but my friends weren't going to school, you know, we they wanted to go to technical school, there's a technical school uh, about a half, about a mile from where we lived, you want to go and, you know, learn how to use a, you know, torch, chop those cars, you know. Forty nine Mercury, you know. Oh man, it's God's work, you know. <laughs> and just what I want to do, you know. But my father uh, had had he wanted me to go to high school, and he was he was he was wise. And my, my parents are both. Uh, uh, I don't think either one was an alcoholic. They drank. It was the fifties. But uh, they decided I should go to high school after all. And then this weird thing happened. We moved out of the city. Whoa, and. Uh, to where they had trees without fences around them, <laughs> wild trees, you know. <laughs> oh, sure. That tree is wild, you know. Um, it was it was uh, leaving the city and moving away from my friends. I, I never thought it would happen. I just it was not on my agenda. I was such a shock. I can the things I can remember to this day. Uh, about that move and how it was such a surprise to I me. Mean, we were really moving. and We went to this house and it had two floors and a base, nice basement. And I thought, holy, you know, I felt rich. All of a sudden, it was like, uh, you know, back then the house was like $30,000, but it was, you know, a wonderful house. And, but, and, this, and also the thing that happened, the thing that would change my life is that we had to find me a school fast because uh, we had to find a high school, and I, yeah, I didn't care where we went. So my dad was tooling around, and he found this, the only high school that was, and has ever been, uh, run by the priest who ran the University of Notre Dame. The only one that, and it was called, oddly enough, Notre Dame. And, uh, and, and we drive around this parking lot, and there's a priest out there, and anyway, I, I, that's where I went. It and it, it was a great experience, you know. I had uh, it was a new world for me, I have to say. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not a. I went to school the first day, you know, with my my clothes from the city, you know, you know, you know walking you know, like the Fonz, you know, <laughs> but they weren't dressed that way, they weren't. I felt so. I thought that, I thought these guys kind of a little weird. They were cleanly, they had shorts, you know, short sleeved shirts on. A little, some of them had ties on, I thought. It was a little weird here, and I was. It was a new world for me. I knew nothing about. And the and the teachers were, um, some of them are great. I had some. I had some marvelous human beings. There's no other way to put it. Some were priests. Some were lay people. I can remember the names, and I'm grateful for them. But the other thing about them is that. Um, it was a school with 1,400 boys. We were going to have a good football game team. You know, you just knew it, man. Because yeah. all the, you know, Notre Dame High School, they're going to all go there. So anyway, so the 1,400 boys. And the priests were rough. I had never seen this before. I mean, if you said the F word in their hearing, you are a dead man. Might, might as well cut your own throat. <laughs> you are a dead man. Because I... Father Marcus, Tom Marcus would just pick you up and hold, pooh, So I never, I was, well, I watched my P's and Q's anyway, but it was a great education. It really was a great education. I learned many things, uh, and they, I was, I took some tests, and they put me in this kind of special section with all these other kids, and we were, we, we had, we didn't have any choices. We had about four years of Latin. I should know Latin, you know. My Hebrew is, is good, you know, Latin, I, um, and four years of math and four years of science. And they didn't ask us what we wanted to take. They <laughs> shut up and take it. And it was not like choice, you know. But it was a great school. It really was. And at the end of that, I had enough. Okay. Now I'm through with school, right? And then I found that all my friends were applying to college. We have gotten... We don't got money for that. I know that. <laughs> we got money now, but now we don't got money for college. So I'm cool. I'm cool. So I didn't didn't apply. And in April, um, uh, this priest who ran the glee Club, his name's Tom Waldron, um, he, he uh, saw me walking down the corridor and he pointed to me and he said, in my office at uh, some time. And I thought, and he was livid. He was a strawberry blonde guy. He was... Red, just red, and the only time I'd ever seen him uh, be that red before was when he was uh, when Tom, a fellow, had swore had <laughs> used the F word on the bus. Oh, and the, and he was a dead man. I mean, he, I think he's dead these days. But anyway, uh, I thought I'm in trouble, you know, because I but I didn't remember saying anything, you know. So so I went to his office, and he he was sitting at his uh, desk, and I walked in. And I, You know, nothing was on his desk. So I knew I was in real trouble. Nothing. Nothing. Not even a paper. And I walked in and I I said, I "I don't worry. I I was too scared. I don't know if I said anything. And he said to me, "Um, Have you applied to college? It was April. I thought, Is that all? (laughs) Is that all? Nothing. And I said, Well, no, Father. I don't know if I want. And in a moment, in a moment without without making you know breaking stride he had a piece of paper and he slammed it on the desk and he said take that home to your parents and fill it out and bring it back so that's how I got to university university of Notre Dame and it was a great it was also a grace because I was there at a great time and all this time I've never touched alcohol I, I kid you not i my parents they were visiting someday and they and they had a, they got a we went to this Italian restaurant and got a bottle of Chianti. I put it in my uh, little uh, clothes locker in my room. I never, I didn't touch it all year. And my, my friend came. At the, we're, we're leaving, you know, going home for summer. My friend opened my things. He said, "Don, you can't have this. You know, There's <laughs> a bottle of booze." I didn't touch it. I didn't drink. For, I didn't drink through all of that. I went to graduate school. Uh, what happened is at Notre Dame. This is great. I discovered a great teacher. I, I discovered two people that I really admired. They're both priests. And I actually, and they're both brilliant. And I thought, I I want to be like them. So I would go to graduate school. So I went to one of them and said, well, I want to be a teacher. And they, and they said, well, in what? <laughs> you know, what it was like? Shorty, always liked like to teach? And uh, I, I, so I, irony here, I would go into philosophy and religion. So I, I would so I went to uh, Columbia University, and I was there during the riots, and I uh, and I still didn't drink. Every f- Friday, I would go maybe to the West End bar and have one Heineken. guy had no money, so I didn't drink. And then I got married, and I started, had a teaching job at a nice Catholic college, because they thought that's what they thought I was. And I surprise, surprise, um, and um, in that at the end, so. In 1973, and I mentioned the date for lots of things. In 1973 is when I picked up my first. I mean, started to drink seriously. I mean, like actually, I could drink. I'm an adult, and my life went down really quickly. I had an affair. I'm not proud to say that, but I had an affair. My my wife and I were. We really should have been married. We were way too young. She she couldn't forgive that. We got divorced. And um, I, I actually went to Duke University, did my doctorate there, and uh, but then I was drinking. I was I started to I found first I would drink wine, and I would drink a bottle of wine a night, and then I found vodka. In 1976, I was teaching at the University of Tennessee, and I found vodka, and uh, I it, by probably by 1976. I started drinking vodka, and I probably was not sober. There was probably not a day when I when I was sober until 1978, when um, so that from I really drank from '73 to '78, and by the time I stopped, I had I was carrying I had this doctor's bag, fancy leather bag. And you could put, but I made sure it was, that was not one of those bags that had the dividers in it you know, for paper, I don't like that <laughs> Because you could put a half gallon in this way and one of those plastic half gallons, you know, God's gift. Obviously, God invented plastic for vodka, you know, and I have one each way. You could have two bottles of vodka, to have, just in case you run out, you know. And I, don't, it was, I thought this was perfectly normal. I didn't know. I, I, had, I, don't, I couldn't say in a court of law that I heard, had ever heard of AA. I couldn't say that I heard much about alcoholism. In a co- I swear, how did I not hear? I don't know. It's my background. I just didn't know about it. But I was drinking really heavily, and I was teaching at this. Really, I finished my doctorate, and uh, then I just—I didn't stop. I started drinking, and I was, it was—it was like my, you know, my descent into alcoholism was like this, and then just went downhill, and immediately, and I was not sober again. And for the first time in my well. I was not going to class. Okay, I'm not going to class. I'm teaching at this very f- nice college, very fancy college. Uh, it, was a, it was a good job. I mean, I, I was only hired for a year. I mean, I was taking some spice, but it was a good job. But I wasn't going. And I started drinking, and, and I was drinking all... Th- I would, had been drinking constantly. And I mean very constantly. I'm surprised I ever went to class at all. Uh, but at some point, I decided I was going to get... Not get sober, but I was going to stop drinking so I could go to my office. So I stopped drinking one night. Oh, I, and the other thing is, I couldn't, get, I couldn't really get high. I was drinking, but it wasn't like before. I wasn't whacking out, you know. I was, it had the buzz, but nothing. Was, I just wasn't getting really. So I thought, well, so I, I figured I'll stop. And then, <laughs> then after I've been dry a little bit, I pick up it I will get drunk again. Um, I remember buying a, a I don't know, why I did? But I bought a magnum. It wasn't of champagne. It was of like wine, and I don't. I didn't even know it made that. But anyway, I had a magnum there, and I had this bucket, and I wasn't getting drunk. So I stopped for about. I stopped one night, early one evening, and I went. And the next day, I got up, and I got cleaned up, and I'm going to my office. Okay. Kind of, kind of still spacey, but I'm going to my office. Okay. So I got dressed up, you know, cleaned up, and I go to my office, and uh, I'm in my office, and apparently. I, uh, the kind of drunk that has a very interesting uh, blackouts and hallucinations after I when I try to stop drinking, and I had some doozies. I didn't see bugs, but this is a. When I hear this today, I don't believe me, but I know what happened. I was there. I was I was sort of you know like a, going in and out of blackouts. You know I would come in and. I and I remember being in this office. it was a big office I had a big office and um i I thought my students were standing outside my window, which was two stories up, uh on the lawn, <laughs> I swear, singing um, made up they had made up a madrigal like a medieval song you know it was pure not, and they were singing it, but they were singing things that. Teasing me that I hadn't come to class and what was wrong, and that's what I'm hearing. There's no one out there. There's no one out there. Okay, this man comes walking in, who is the head of the acting head of the department. He walks in and apparently, I, I remember. I remember this part. I don't remember all the parts that went on here. I wish I did, but I just don't. He comes in to, to me and he says, "I don't know what he said," but apparently, he exchanged some ideas. And as he's walking out the door, had I remained quiet for, you know. 35 more seconds, I would have been home free. But he was walking out the door, and as you go go to the door, you take a right and you go behind a uh, filing cabinet and you're out the door. And uh, he goes, and I I guess as he's making the turner, I kind of remember saying this because I remember (laughs) him coming back in. I said, I'm sorry about all the noise. Now, of course, there was no one out there. There's no one seeing. There's nothing's going on, so apparently he must have come back in i don 't know that, but I just know all I know is that the next thing I kind of come back in out of my blackout i 'm back in, and i 'm walking except i don 't know where i'm at i don't know where i 'm at. I really don 't know what i 'm i 'm carrying my bag, and, I'm, and on this side was one guy who was the head of the department, on this side was one of two all American football players that were professors in our department. <laughs> We had two. Uh, This guy's here, and and we're walking. And I'm trying to figure out, where the hell am I? I had been there for three months. Where the hell am I? And I got my bag. And so I thought, I must be on a job interview. I had been there for three months. I didn't know. They took me to um, the infirmary. At, some, at this point, I must have been, what the hell's going on? I kind of remember sitting on that, you know, with the, the, the examining table where the doctor's there. And i um, sitting there, and the doctor comes in, and I'm in my t shirt, so I must take out my shirt. And the doctor comes in, and he, he does this perfunctory thing, you know, where he puts the steth- stethoscope. Um, but he said, I'm, a, I'm in my t shirt, which you don't do that. <laughs> you get a lot of noise if you move a stethoscope around and you're in your ears. And he puts it on me, he, and, he and he said, but he's not doing anything. He looks at me and he says, Do you know where you are? And I remember, th- I'm trying to remember, right? and then he had the $64 question Do you know who you are? And I couldn't name it i couldn 't find the words he left. I reached in my wallet, I went in my back pocket I my and I looked and I saw that I'd been teaching at that school, and I knew I was in trouble. Uh, I would sort of try to resist there's a lot of things happened there that are just pure grace because they took me. they thought I was you know schizophrenic because no one had seen me drink and I had been off. Alcohol for about thirty six hours, so I didn't smell as much. I don't know, so they didn't know. And you know how you when you do an intervention you have you have people have to know so that you're drinking. They have to really play the cards against you. You know, you're drinking all the time. They couldn't swear to this, and so so they. But they brought me to this office after. High, well, I know what happened. They they locked me up, you know. But this this man, and talk about grace. His name was Jerry, and he was. He was a non-alcoholic alcohol counselor, which today doesn't exist. they don't. This doesn't exist today. He had just graduated from someplace in Boston, and he was standing there, and he came in to see me, and he guessed, and I know this because he told me later on, he guessed that I wasn't schizophrenic because the other people thought I was schizophrenic. I was just a drunk, and he guessed it. But he had no nothing going for him. Like he couldn't, he couldn't say, "But you know, we smell you." And all he couldn't do it. And so I'm standing. there. so the next thing I know, they asked me to go into treatment. And so I went home, got cleaned up, and I came to this office. And I had my car. I had my car keys, a wallet, money, car, credit cards. I'm standing in this office, and I'm my mind is, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay now, and I'm gonna get out of there. And so I'm sta- and I, had all the, I had all the cards, I thought, I had all the aces, and, and they didn't know what the hell they were doing. And here's this, this one, the head of the department, who knows nothing about alcoholism, nothing. And he's standing there. And what, what caught me, and I think this is just God's will, uh, he said to me, all he said, and I'll never forget these words, Don, if you need help, take it. And for some reason, his sheer innocence and sincerity, it touched me. I went into treatment. I went right into treatment. Um, the first uh, meeting I went to it was a big <clears throat> meeting, and I, I remember as, as they were talking about alcoholism and so forth. It was one of the two alcoholic guys, uh, two AA guys, running, ran this hospital treatment, and uh, I was they were talking, and I thought, talking about AA and how alcoholism, and I and I reared up my like my hind legs, you know, like like a, the jackass I was. And I said, you know, I launched into them lambasted them. This, what is this, this shit is, you know, a bunch of, you know, cult kind of stuff. You know? and as I'm saying this, as I'm saying it, and I, I'll remember this. I was, I was. Now I was clear. Um, I knew I was lying. I just knew it. And for some reason, I, I swear, God just whacked, you know, Shorty, listen, and whacked me upside the head. And I just and I knew I was lying. That's 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 it. I knew I was I knew I was a, a liar, and so Dick Nielsen, happy memory, gave me um, a big book and said, "Go to my room and look at this." And he didn't know what he was going to do with me, but I knew in my heart already. I was I I got this problem, and I went and I opened the, the big book. He show well, he had he told me what to read, you know, the, the you know the the, the, preamble, the preamble stuff, and, and let me know, you know about. Honesty. And I opened that book up, and, and in the book, I had, as a good, good, good professor, I had up, um, a, a pen. i going to study this sucker. And I had, it was a brown felt pen. And I read I started reading that first page, and I thought, I, 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 I think the right words, I froze, you know, because when it talked about honesty, all I said to myself, I, I, mean, I was saying to myself, I was praying. I was hoping I could get honest. I was hoping I could get honest because I knew at that minute it all came crashing down on me. I knew what I was doing was not normal. That I was a drunk. Um, I, I did stay. I, I met many people. I got into AA. I would I, I would go and I would teach at a prep school. I moved. Uh, um, my uh, um, I had a fear. I had another woman I was seeing. I got engaged. I went to a prep school to teach. I was where they hired me to be a advisor to the Jewish students, and uh, and I ran Jewish services in my house and so forth. And um, and I and I would stay there for thirty years. In the I'm I'm going to speed things up here. Um, I loved AA. You know, those first eighteen years, they they were not wasted on me. I loved it. I mean, it made, all the, it, made my, it made so much sense in my life. I felt I was making so much progress as a human being, and I was. I was a, a good, I was a good husband. I was a good teacher. I was doing all kinds of stuff, and I was doing fine. About, I can't remember, it would have been like a like year uh, 15 or 16, um, I started having physical problems. Very severe headaches and they couldn't figure out what what it was they did it, tried everything and, uh, and nothing nothing worked I had brain scans and all kinds of crap but I, and I to this day I don't know what ha- I would get healed but in a most unconventional way but I was having all these these problems and things with my my wife were not good I didn't realize that, um, i I don't want to take her inventory in public here but um, she was a very controlling person, and I didn't realize that was a part of my pain. In any event, uh, I, was, I, was in, I was always in pain. I mean, s- very serious pain. And uh, I would just go to class... And if I and I would I remember doing this. I would sort of lock on target and what I'm supposed to do in this class, and I would just do it. And it was hard because the kids when I taught, I didn't lecture. I taught the kids that we did things and it was important. I taught philosophy, and I had to have them talking and I had to listen and do stuff. And it was hard sometimes it was because my head was like blowing up. Uh, in any event, then I for so, I went to I tried this neurologist. I went to see this neurologist who was from not from the United States. And he had these, he had just gotten, and I, I have never looked up the name to this in, intentionally. He had these little bottles. they had a closet full, I mean, of boxes with these little bottles. They, they were like one and a half cc's. Now, go, uh, you know, a guppy can't make a U-turn. <laughs> the little bottle cost $108. And what you did with it, <laughs> I could get a lot of guppies for that, you know. Uh, and and you, what you did, you sh- and every addict knows that. Like, why do you do that? Because there's you have teeny tiny veins there, which goes right. I went up. This guy gave me this stuff to try, and uh, I went to my. I was uh, Jacob, and I were alone. We were living in the house together, and I went up the stairs. And uh, no, we weren't alone. I, I just, but I was at home alone with him. So I was often the case. And I went upstairs to my. My bathroom was next to the stairs, and my bedroom was next to the bathroom. And I was there. Uh, and I thought, okay, take out the cap. And I thought he said, just use just put it in one nostril. So I tried to still in one nostril. I wasn't gonna screw around with it, I didn't know. So I tried one and it scored a little bit too much in there. I was so high immediately that I wouldn't walk down the stairs. I walked around the corner to my bedroom and sat down on the bed. And whoa, I had never had drugs. And this I it there's no other word for it. It was so powerful. I didn't my head was like whoa, I had pain, but I didn't know it, and I really got hooked on that stuff, and, when that's, and I stayed in pain, and, uh, and I didn't tell my sponsor, you know, I, did, I was trying to go to meetings, I was trying to fight it off, but I, eventually I picked up, and I, uh, uh, by the grace of God, I, I drank off and on for about uh, four months and it was it was a it was a really dark time in my life i was semi suicidal i didn't know what the hell i was going to do i just didn't know because to be real honest i felt my life was opening up all the way into death sometimes we say if i pick up again you know i'm going to die and i like to say that's wishful thinking because what if it doesn't happen and i thought that my life was just you know i could this is what i'm going to do my whole life is just be like in this grayness and drunk and I didn't know. I, I, was, I was in despair and whatever. And uh, fortunately, my, uh, my ex wife caught me. I, I was back on vodka and just, you know, she caught me pouring it in. Um, and she, so she called my sponsor, and he came over and he just looked at me. And he, he says, Where's the bottle? And he, and he took it, poured it out. Uh, I, I, I was going into treatment, but the pain was tremendous. And so one Friday night, there was a meeting, but I didn't go to the meeting. I went to this little grocery store in town. I lived in this tiny little town where there, like there are two thousand people, and that's counting pets. <laughs> you know It's a tiny little town, and it's a big high school. and I went to, and I bought a bottle of wine, and I went and I was, took it home. I don't know if Jacob was with me or not. I really can't remember, but I took this bottle home, and uh, I knew I was going to drink it, you know. I don't know if that, the only analogy I had, you know, I, I can remember when I was trying to quit smoking, and, you know, that certain times, you're, you're going to have that cigarette, you just know it. You know, you're going to say, no, I'm probably going to have it. Well, I had this, uh, had this bottle, and I knew I was going to drink. I just knew it. And it was on this little porch that I had, uh, and um, the bottle was in the kitchen, and I was smoking a cigarette at night, and I was crying. I was crying. And uh, I knew I was going to drink it. I didn't know what was, what was going to happen to me. I'm going to lose my son. I'm going to lose everything here, you know. And I, and I, I, I all I said, I do remember this. I, I was clear. Um, I said, "Please." I was crying, and it was kind of my prayer it was, "Please." But knowing damn well, I'm going to go in there and drink that bottle. I'm, I'm not going to drink a sip. I'm going to drink that whole damn bottle. And I went in the kitchen. I opened the bottle, and I poured it out. And to this day, I swear that was not my doing, it was sheer grace. And I would stay sober, again, not until now, from 97 until, until now. It took for year and the first year and a half were gray. Uh, you know, I was embarrassed to go back after 18 years. But, you know, my sponsor didn't let that sit. Just, you know, just get your ass in there. Uh, I picked, you know. <clears throat> You know, I said, I'm I'm Jewish, but my Catholic friends have all these wonderful. At Notre Dame, I was studying philosophy with someone, and, and some of the priests, you know, and they have these wonderful Latin phrases. It's just wonderful, you know, to confuse your neighbors. Uh, and one of those, it's a Catholic doctrine. I don't know if anyone's Catholic, but I think it's Catholic. Uh, it's a Catholic phrase uh, about the sin of Adam, the you know, original sin. I don't think sin is very original, but uh, it's, it's and it's called, it's called. Uh, it's a felix culpa, which means, oh, happy fault, because then Christ came and so forth, and that's happy fault. Well, you know, in a, in a sort of strange way, my, um, my, that slip, which lasted four months, was like a happy fault because God's, God helped me to change at such a deep level that, uh, and I know it was God, I had to fight for things. I had to fight for. I mean, had I known what was what I was going to go through when I got sober, I would have had that damn bottle. But it was really hard. But I, I wasn't tempted to drink at all, I, not at all. I I was in pain still. I actually get the pain cleared. That's a whole other story, and it's it's even spacier. But uh, um, I, you know, I um, I to this day I go to meetings just about every. Every day, unless something interferes, or unless I have a week like last week when I spent you know fourteen or fifteen hours with sponges and just was stretched, you know, stretched out. But I go all the time because I love, I need this. Um, I'm. I love the big book. I for me the twelve and twelve is a lifesaver. That book is my soul. You know, I th- I've showed it as to psychiatrists, and they think <laughs> the ones I talk to that. If if the world did this, you know, if the world did a fourth and fifth step, they'd be out of business. You know, they, they, a lot of them would be out of business because it's such good stuff. The fourth step, it's so good. You know, if you do something shitty, you should feel guilty. It's not Einstein. It's just you should feel guilty, and feeling guilty is not a bad thing. You have you should I have to handle the guilt, and I, and the twelve and twelve of it, have meant life to me. I really got the pain taken care of. I got divorced, and I didn't know that I needed to do that. I didn't want to get divorced. I didn't want my son to grow up in a, quote, broken home. I, I hung on for dear life, but I couldn't... It was the thing I needed to do. I just needed it. And since that time, I mean, right away, people said to me that they knew that I needed to do that. They... They just knew it, and it's not against her. But we just didn't mix, uh, and um, I changed my, my whole way of being. And you know, I just, I just, I just did. Um, to today, um, as I as I said, uh, you know, I I try to keep a humble and grateful heart, if at all possible. You know, um, it's um, it's sometimes we, life is hard, but I to this day, I'm so grateful that I've got this program that I don't mind the difficulty. Um, my life has been so grace-filled. Um, I've had wonderful experiences in sobriety. Um, and I know it's, it's like I feel, um, I feel grateful because... Um, well, I'll put it this way. I'll just end with this. Um, the 12-step, I, I love how the 12-step kind of ends because there are two parts to it. You know, It reminds us, on page 123, that we're still childish, emotionally sensitive, and grandiose. Moi. Me, grandiose. Yeah. For crying out loud, when I was a little boy, I wanted to have ten letters after my name. Didn't know what they were. I got them. Me, grandiose. But I am. And I had, to, I had to learn how to be humble. I learned how to be a high school teacher... And it was the best thing I've ever done. I, it was, it was, it is, it was the best things, the best thing I've ever done in general. Um, that's the first part of the 12 of the 12 that you know, touches me. And then the other thing is that, that the last part of the page 124, the next page, where it says, you know, we don't have to be especially distinguished among our fellows to be useful and profoundly happy. It's, that's so, I mean, I'm being unfair here. i will just say that. I won't explain. It. But you know, Freud was once asked. <laughs> he was in America. He was visiting. He said, "You know, what do you expect psychoanalysis to accomplish?" And he says, "Well, we'll cure people of their neurotic symptoms and leave the most normal human misery." <laughs> and and should and I should pay for that? You know, why should I do it? But the twelve the twelve and twelve ends that we can be useful and profoundly happy, and that's it. You know, I. The programmer is, is so remarkable, I think, that I do, in my heart of hearts, I know this is silly, but I often think that people, everyone could profit from it. I mean, do four, five, eight, and nine. Could you imagine how that would help people? But um, today, I just do my own, you know, my own 12 and 12, and I stick to that. Um, I'm, today, I'm, I'm just grateful to be alive. Uh, I can't ask God for a good life. I've already had one. Uh, for a lot of years, I, I went to this high school, I thought I'd stay for three. I stayed for 31, and the last many of them were without, were di- when I was divorced. And it was, I worked. It was good stuff. I worked with the kids. Some got sober, which was not my point, and, but sometimes kids would walk into a meeting. Last story. I was at a meeting, the town, my little town in Northfield, and I'm at this meeting, and two of my students... From my, there are kids at this, uh, 1,300 kids at the school. Two of mine walk in, and they look at me, and there I am, you know. And they look, and and they they were me this later on. But Neil, one of the kids just went like this, he just pointed at me like, well, "What are you doing here?" And he thought, he said later, he told me just a little, that I was just there to like observe or something like this because I taught a course in, course in psychology. And and so, but, and just so he didn't get any wrong idea, I walked right over to him and I, I grabbed, I shook his hand, and I said, "Welcome." And he and the girl looked at me and they, they, and I said, "I'm an alcoholic." And they stayed sober through college and through early marriage. I don't know where they're at now. But um, I I'm grateful I'm, I'm grateful you asked me to come. Um, I know, I spoke too long, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're all here, you know because wherever we are, whether there's this meeting, you know, uh, it's hope, it's hope, you know. Because we've all been at that place where we had no hope. And today, we all have hope. And I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, John.